0: Postal Post Publishing, Publishing, the Going Postal Post Post Cast, and Christopher, Christopher Chapman present Incarceration. Incarceration, the serialized, the serialized weekly, weekly podcast performed by the author, Christopher Chapman. For more information, visit www.goingpostalpublishing.com or email him at Publishing at gmail.com. This podcast is not suitable for children. It has violence, gore, and lots and lots of naughty words. If you can't handle that, somewhere else. And now, on with the story, or whatever other crap I decide to come up with. Hello boys and girls, welcome to another episode of Incarceration. This is the Going Postalcast, I am your host Chris Chapman. So the show is a little bit late, if you haven't noticed it's a day late, and that's because all hell broke loose and I am a computer short. I went to put the podcast together on Saturday night... ...doing my recording a couple of days later than normal... ...but figured I'd still give myself 24 hours to get everything together. Opened up my MacBook Pro and... ...no screen. Nothing. Black. Gone. I kind of got a little frustrated that night... ...thought about throwing the computer out the window... ...and figured, well, I'm going to wait and see what happens the next day. So I get up the following morning and open up the computer press the the power button and once you know it the power comes on so i'm thinking all right this is this is going to work out great so i go to so i guess i did it the night before because i went to work that day so that was saturday then that i went to work and came back and of course nothing again that night and so all that night and all day sunday i every so often i would test it out and see if the computer would work and still nothing so went to the internet and looked it up to see what the problem was and the particular macbook pro that i have had a graphics card issue something with the nvidia graphics card and they had a history of failing it was the graphics card itself not the actual apple product but apple was the one i guess fixing them but the problem was they had an extended warranty, and one month after the warranty expired, that's when my computer decided to go, <coughs> so no computer for me. Big problem, that laptop pretty much controlled this entire podcast, the website, everything. And without a screen, I had no way of getting at any of the files. I couldn't find my dual mail connector firewire cable that I could connect in kind of use the laptop as a hard drive. So off to Office Max I went looking for cables, and instead I got told, well, you might as well turn it into a hard drive and just take it apart and take out your hard drive. So that's what I did. That's what I spent all day today doing. Got the hard drive out, and then I started searching for files, and believe me, that was a pain in the butt. But as you can tell, I got everything up and running. The website's going to be updated and the new episode of the podcast and I'm talking and everything's going good because I still have my nice older iMac here even older than the MacBook Pro that is no longer working and this thing just keeps on going no matter what I do to it. So a couple of things to get to a few emails and things that happened over the course of the last week and if you hear any cling cling clinging that's just my girlfriend Sam say hi Sam. Sam says hi, and she's working on her crafts, and she'll be kind of listening in as I record all of this. So the first thing that I'm going to point out is the fact that you can hear me a little better. I received an email on December 28th entitled, Purchased Incarceration dot dot dot. I'm just going to read a little bit of it. Hi, I just, I just bought the ebook at BNN because the audio quality of the podcast makes it too hard to listen to. In other words, super quiet. So, I, I'm not even going to pronounce your name because uh, I don't know if it's Eliel or Elile. I have no idea. I'm sorry. I don't want to make too much of an ass of myself. But, yes, I know the, at least for some people, it was super, super quiet. The podcast was coming through super, super quiet. On my end, when I was recording, everything sounded perfectly good, But for some reason, at least on that computer, which I'm about about to find out on this computer if I'm having the same problems, when I transfer it over to my website, it would get super quiet. So we're going to try and see if it works here. But either way, I know how to increase the volume and keep the quality. So we're going to have that. And you're not going to be getting chapters. I have no idea if the chapters were the problem. But I had to change it to an MP3, which doesn't give you the chapters, so no chapters, but we have a little bit better volume now. The next thing I want to talk about is something that was posted on Facebook by Chuck, and that would be facebook.com slash goingpostalpublishing. So Chuck writes, Gotta say, have really been enjoying the story so far. I really enjoyed the Halloween and first zombie short stories as well. Keep up the great work, Chris, but please, oh please... Drop the character voices. Shuddering. It's pretty obvious you are a gifted writer, but not so much an impressionist. I'm going to stop there. Yeah. As you can probably tell over the the last couple of episodes, I've been cutting back on the voices anyway, just kind of being goofy once in a while. And I'm kind of going to probably not do as many voices, or if I do, I'm going to make sure that it sounds good when I listen to it through the microphone here. Some voices come across better than others, but overall, my voice dominates. The sultry sounds of my voice just carry on through no matter what I try, it seems. And thank you, Chuck, for the kind words. I appreciate it. And I appreciate the fact that you're using the Facebook and contributing with some feedback. I appreciate it. Thank you. And I appreciate all of you who have been giving feedback, emailing me, letting me know how I'm doing, and supporting the podcast or supporting the writing by purchasing Incarceration in any one of its many forms. So now we're going to get into the latest episode of Incarceration. We are going to get into the stories. So here we go. Let's continue on with Incarceration. Chapter 28 Depression was something that Jason had dealt with for many years. He had every reason to be depressed. He was in prison because somebody killed his parents. He was in prison because some stupid-ass police officer couldn't figure out that he hadn't done it. For years, he'd considered himself to be a failure, the lowest line of scum on the earth. It didn't help that he'd started to believe that he really was guilty of the crimes he'd been convicted of. His mind became so accustomed to everybody else labeling him a murderer that he'd started to believe it himself. The tattoo was a reminder of who really had done it. That didn't remove the guilt of the fight that preceded their deaths, nor did it take away from the fact that he was in a prison that liked to make you disappear. He tried many things over the years to fix the problem. He tried having a positive outlook on things, something that was virtually impossible under the circumstances. He tried thinking of what it would be like if he ever got out. That was like thinking about a brick wall. You couldn't see past the wall, meaning that there was a large obstacle that needed to be overcome before those thoughts seemed remotely plausible. Suicide had always been an option that he'd strongly considered. Why not? With all of his pain, and the realization that he was likely never going to get out of prison alive, there seemed to be no other alternatives. Suicide seemed like the only way to make the pain go away. It was the only way out of prison, even if it were in a body bag. In the end... The only reason he hadn't was because then the killer would have finally won. The killer would have killed him, just as he had originally set out to do. Sure, it wouldn't have been like killing him with a gun, knife, or those big teeth. But it would have been like killing him just the same. In the end, he stuck it out. What other choice was there? It was either die or don't die. He chose to live, but held on to the possibility of ending it all if the circumstances were right. The only thing he was certain of was that he didn't want to die at somebody else's hand. What nearly happened to him out in the yard was beyond his control and something he wanted to avoid. If he was going to die, he wanted it to be on his own terms, even if it meant by his own hands. The idea seemed selfish, but it was the only thing he had left that was his. He propped himself up in the bed. He looked around the small cell, wondering how much longer he could put up with this miserable excuse for an existence. He'd done this for nearly 16 years already and was gearing up for 50 more. He was never going to get out of prison. That was a fact. He felt as if he wasn't even worth the skin he was in. He was a nobody. They sent him to this prison because it was the only one in which prisoners disappeared without a trace. That's exactly what had happened. There's somebody asking about you, Rick said from the bunk underneath. How long had he been there? Jason hadn't heard him come in. The guy's been asking about you for two days. Who? Some old guy, Rick said. He moved out from his bed and stood so that his face was level with Jason. I've been asking around and nobody seems to know who this guy is. The only thing I know about him is that he came in with the new group about a week ago. Keeps to himself mostly, but has some weird fixation on you. Must be part of your fan club from up north the old man again. It wasn't enough that he was staring at him, now he was asking people about him. Was he some kind of fan, as Rick had suggested, or somebody who idolized killers? He'd heard rumblings over the years of a copycat killer. He'd often wondered if it was a copycat, or the same guy that had murdered his mother and father. Maybe this guy was one of the supposed copycats. It only reaffirmed his idea about staying as far away from this old man as possible. He saw that Rick was looking at him with a puzzled expression on his face. How long had he been focused on his own thoughts? Rick probably thought he was going crazy. That guy's been staring at me all day, Jason told him. I saw him this morning while I was out on yard. He was staring at me while I was walking. After a little while, I decided to go back inside. Didn't want to get stabbed again, eh? No, not really, Jason said, chuckling. I don't know if I thought that this guy might be dangerous at that point, but then I saw him again at dinner. He was staring at me again. The guy creeps me out. You want me to have some guys take care of him? Rick asked, sounding too serious for Jason's liking. He knew that Rick could get some guys to do what he was asking. Jason liked to steer as far away from that as he could. You just say the word and that old guy will be sent out of here on a stretcher. I promise that it won't come back to you. No, no, Jason said, knowing that he couldn't allow Rick to go through with that. Over the years, he'd picked up pieces of information on what Rick had done to wind up in this prison. Like Jason, he was a prisoner that Wisconsin wanted to forget. From what Jason was able to gather, Rick had murdered his wife and her lover. More details were sketchy, but he had heard from a few guys that his wife had been cheating on him for several months. He found out about his wife's indiscretions and quickly filed for divorce. In protest, she went after him for everything she could, even custody of their 11-month-old daughter. She pranced around town with the guy, wearing clothes that made her breasts practically pop out of her shirt, and skirts that showed most of her unmentionables. The straw that broke the camel's back was when she lost custody of their daughter. She neglected their daughter, causing social services to swoop in and take custody. They never gave Rick the opportunity to assume custody. To make matters worse... Instead of fighting to get her child back, the wife and boyfriend decided that life was easier without the child, refusing to put up a fight. When Rick found out, he confronted them. A fight ensued, and he fought back. He broke the boyfriend's neck using his bare hands. He killed his wife a short time later, striking her repeatedly with an aluminum baseball bat. Some guys claimed that he beat her until her brains were scattered across the room. Jason knew what Rick was capable of. He wouldn't, couldn't ask him to do anything to the old man. It wasn't so much that it could lead back to Jason. He was more worried of whether or not it would point back to Rick. He didn't deserve that. Despite his violent past, they'd gotten along great since the first day. He wouldn't trade that for anything. Rick Carlson was the only real friend he had left. Don't do anything to him, Jason said, attempting to end the conversation. At least not yet. Maybe this is just something that will go away on its own. Rick's hand raised and landed on the edge of Jason's bed. He looked at Jason, a smile spreading from the corner of his mouth. You're wrong, Rick said. This is prison. Shit like this doesn't go away on its own. He paused. I'll give it another day, two at the most. If the problem doesn't resolve itself, I'll take care of it myself. Jason considered this for a moment and knew it to be fair. There was no point in denying that this could become a problem if you allowed it. Rick meant well. Maybe a day or two would give him an idea of how to handle it. Thanks, Jason said, laying his head back down. If you don't mind, I think I'm going to skip chow tonight. Think I'll get some extra sleep. Another long night of staring out the window? Don't know, Jason said. Although he knew that he would likely stay away from the window after what he saw last night. He didn't want to take a chance that he saw something else that wasn't really there. I guess I just want to forget about the old man. Fair enough, Rick said, disappearing from view. Things became very quiet in the cell. As it usually happened when he was alone with his thoughts, Jason fell asleep once more. It was the last good sleep he'd get. Chapter 29 No, 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 Jason cried trying to make it all go away. What was going on? He thought that he was over this. One time was strange, but seeing it two nights in a row was downright crazy. Can't be, can't be. As Jason had done the night before, he awoke shortly before dark. The dream had been there once again, but that wasn't what was bothering him at the moment. No, this was far worse. He hadn't wanted to go to the window. He repeatedly told himself that he wouldn't go to that window. After what he'd seen, there was no way in hell that he was going to do that to himself. Yet, an hour after it had become completely dark, shortly after Rick had gone to sleep, he found himself at the window, staring out into the darkness. He wasn't sure of just what he was looking for. Had he expected to catch another glimpse of somebody in the light? No. That was crazy. He knew that he'd imagine that. But why was he back staring out the window? He didn't know the answer. He tried to tell himself it was to make himself feel better, to prove that there was nobody out there, but whom was he kidding? He went to the window, fully intending to see the killer out there. He dreamt about this guy for years, had even gone as far as tattooing a picture of him on his arm, and yet he still denied his existence. He tried believing that it really was he who'd killed his parents, but that was all bullshit. This guy, monster, or whatever he was was real. Whether he'd actually seen him or not had yet to be determined. There was no possible way he could have gotten into the prison, not with all the fences, barbed wire, electricity, and guards. What reason could the killer have for breaking into prison? Was he trying to finish what he'd started all those years ago? It seemed highly unlikely. It was highly illogical for somebody to break into a prison. That increased the chances of being discovered by more than a thousand percent. Nobody was that stupid. Besides, why would the killer have come after him? Jason wasn't exactly a threat anymore. He was confined to a prison cell and had absolutely no chance of parole. He wasn't going anywhere. He recalled his constant worry about the monster coming to get him. It was the main reason for his fear of the dark. Now that the threat seemed real, he was more afraid than ever. Despite his fear, He sat at the window for two hours, watching every beam of light to see if he could catch another glimpse of the man that killed his parents. His eyes scanned the scene constantly, always seeing nothing. He felt his eyes growing heavy. He shook his head, trying to stay awake. Still, his eyes drooped. He was falling asleep. He slapped himself with his right hand, then his left. The fresh sting on his cheeks helped a little, but he still felt extremely drowsy. During the slapping, he had taken his eyes off the lights outside. He didn't care about them anymore. He decided that he was going to do something else. He didn't want to fall asleep while it was dark. He was about to move away from the window when something caught his eye. He looked, wondering what it was that he'd seen. His eyes scanned the areas with light, but saw nothing. No, that wasn't completely true. There was something out there. It was just out of reach of the light. He squinted, trying to make out the shape he saw. He saw something just outside the radius of light to his left. It was moving with the light, but never coming into it. It was dark and shaped like a man. There really was somebody out there. He strained his eyes, trying to make sure that he didn't lose him. The beam of light switched paths. It swung back in the opposite direction, giving Jason a brief glimpse of the figure before it disappeared back into the darkness he caught only a glimpse, yet he was certain that he knew who the figure was. No, 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 Jason cried. Can't be, can't be. His head was shaking back and forth, refusing to stop. He didn't want to accept what he'd seen. It was impossible. There was no way he could have seen what he thought he saw. It was just a brief glimpse. He could have been wrong, but what if he wasn't? The room swayed. He tried compensating, but something was wrong. He couldn't get his legs to do what he was telling them to do. He fell to the floor, smashing his head against the concrete. As Jason fell unconscious, his last thought was that the figure outside had been his father. Chapter 30 You okay? A voice asked from out of the haze. Jason opened his eyes, trying to understand what was happening. His head hurt so badly. He could feel his heart from between his ears. Every beat of his heart brought him excruciating pain. He wanted it to be over with. At first, his vision was blurry. He could see orange, but it was spread out through his entire line of vision. He tried focusing, but found it more difficult than he would have liked. Shapes took form and the orange shrunk until it looked as it was supposed to. Rick Carlson was standing over him with a look of concern on his face. "'I yell for a doctor, but nobody's coming,' Rick said. "'You're bleeding all over the place.' Jason reached back and felt that his hair was wet and sticky. He was bleeding from the back of his head. He'd fallen, but couldn't remember how it had happened. He couldn't remember how he'd wound up on the floor. Then the memories came roaring back flooding his minds with thoughts and images. The image of his father lurking in the dark stood out above all else. My dad, Jason croaked. The words barely escaped his lips. Everything hurt so goddamn much that he couldn't concentrate. Everything seemed more difficult than it should have. I saw him. Jay, I have no fucking clue what you're talking about, Rick said. I heard something, so I looked. Imagine if I would have slept through the whole thing. "'Damn, that's a lot of blood.' He turned his head and yelled to the cell door, "'Would somebody get in here?' All Jason could do was lie there. He had no desire to do anything else. His eyes scanned the scene. It was still dark out. He felt his body shake. He'd allowed himself to be unconscious in the dark. That was a huge mistake. The cell door opened slowly. A man in blue jeans and a t-shirt entered with a small metal case with a red cross on the side of it. "'What the hell happened in here?' the man asked. He looked at Rick. "'Did you have something to do with this?' "'No,' Jason said. The man turned back towards him. "'I fell. Must have hit my head.' "'Whatever,' the man said, kneeling down next to Jason. "'Not my fucking problem if he had.' The man turned out to be one of the COs who was just coming on duty." He hadn't even made it to his locker to change when the call came out for a paramedic. He answered the call when nobody else would. He must have been one of the rare good ones. He put a patch on the back of Jason's head and gave him some leave. This is the best I can give you here, he said. I can't give you anything else without taking you to the hospital. Fortunately for you, I don't think you have anything more than a mild concussion and a small spot where the skin split on the back of your head. Those head wounds bleed like a bitch. No kidding, Rick chuckled. There's blood all over the floor. In the end, they chose to avoid the stitches, thus avoiding the hospital, and told Jason to get some rest. That was fine for him. They allowed him to walk down to the first floor to the medic station. It was the first time that Jason had been in the medic station. It reminded him of the nurse's office back in elementary school, with the only difference being that there was an armed guard standing just ten feet outside the door. He lied on the bed for several hours, fighting drowsiness. One of the few things that the CO had told him was that he needed to avoid falling asleep. He said that he wasn't supposed to sleep when he had a concussion. He didn't know if that were true or not, but felt he had little choice. He was dead tired and wanted the pain to go away. The leave did little for his pain. He knew that sleep would help. It was coming one way or another. He closed his eyes, feeling sleep's warmth creeping up on him. He was about to doze when he heard a man's voice. Glad to see you're all right. The man's voice was hoarse, like a man who'd smoked three packs a day since he was six months old. Jason opened his eyes. It took a second for his eyes to adjust. When they did, he saw that it was the old man standing in front of him. Oh shit, Jason said, panicked. He tried moving, but his body wouldn't respond. How'd you get in here? Drive the guard, the old man said. I've been looking to get you alone for three days. Well, here we are. What do you want? Jason asked. He looked at the exit, wondering how long it would take to get out of the room. Whatever it took, he knew he was in too rough of shape to get far. Nothing, the old man said. Well, I shouldn't say that. I want lots of things. No... This visit is because I believe I can do something for you. A pause. Have you heard about the missing guard? No, Jason said. He didn't know what the old man was talking about. Not surprised. It happened this morning. From what I was told, you were probably already unconscious by then. Another pause. You can answer this, though. Did you hit your head because you saw something that you didn't expect to see? Jason nodded, even though he wasn't sure what the old man was referring to. He was vague enough where Jason could answer with a truthful nod. Tell me another thing. Did you see somebody out of your past? Maybe it was the guy that killed your parents? Hell, maybe it was one of your parents. Yeah, Jason said slowly. There was nothing vague about that. The old man had hit it right on the head. How in the hell did he know that? He hadn't said anything more than a mumble to anybody. Could he have been talking out loud after he hit his head? I saw my father. He paused, remembering something else. I also saw the guy that killed him yesterday morning. Not surprised, the old man said, making himself comfortable in a chair next to Jason. I knew that they wouldn't take long to find me. I just never thought that it would be as quick as this. The old man's words raced through Jason's mind without much coherence. He had no idea what the old man was talking about. According to Rick, the old man had been here for a week. Who could have been looking for him and found him in a prison after just a week, especially one that supposedly didn't exist? Who are you? Jason asked. Oh, I'm sorry, totally slipped my mind. He extended a hand. Matt Zern. Jason reluctantly shook Matt's hand. Jason, he replied, but you already knew that. Yeah, I've been keeping tabs on you for the last eight years or so. Never thought I'd end up in the same prison as you. What in the hell is going on? Jason asked, finally fed up. He didn't like talking to this man and not knowing what the hell he was talking about. He wanted answers, and he wanted them fast. You've been staring at me for two days. You've apparently been keeping tabs on me for longer. You knew that I saw the man that murdered my parents and that I might have seen my father. Are you a hallucination? Or are you going to get down to the meat of this conversation and tell me what the fuck is going on? Jason's rant did a number on his head. His entire skull felt as if it had been placed in a vice. It was squeezing down on him from all sides, ready to pop him like a pimple. Sorry, sorry, Matt said, holding his hands out in defense. I'm getting older. Things don't stay in my mind like they used to. Thoughts have a way of getting away from me. Get on with it, Jason snapped loud enough that he thought that the guard was going to come in. Nobody came. I'm talking about the man who killed your parents, Matt said. I'm talking about your parents as well. I'm soon going to be talking about the CEO that went missing this morning, because he's dead too. They're all dead, you see. They're still here, though, because they're vampires. Jason stared at him, waiting for him to continue. Matt stayed quiet staring at Jason as if he were expecting him to say something in return. Was this guy actually serious? Jason had been waiting for the punchline, but realized the guy may believe that he's completely serious. Vampires? You mean like Dracula? You're saying that my parents were murdered by Dracula. Matt seemed to think about it for a few seconds. It's like Dracula, he said. These are vampires but not in the sense that you believe vampires to be. They bite you in the throat, rise from the dead, die from a stake through the heart, and only go out at night, but that's where the similarities end. These things are far more dangerous than any book, television show, or movie would have you believe. These things are power incarnate. Jason tried sitting up in bed, but Matt placed a hand on his chest, holding him down. You don't want to be doing that, Matt said. You have a concussion. You don't need sleep, and I shouldn't even be talking to you at a time like this. I just didn't know when I'd get another opportunity. This place has ears, and soon we'd have the entire population going crazy about what's going to happen. Are you out of your fucking mind? Jason asked. My parents are dead. I didn't really see my father this morning. I'm well aware that my mind was playing tricks on me. I might have seen the guy that killed him, but I might not have. I don't sleep well, and I have an extreme fear of the dark. I believe that I'm crazy, but I don't think that I can hold a candle to you, old man. If you don't believe me, then how do you take into account the fact that the bodies of both your mother and father disappeared the morning after they'd been murdered? The cops said that my supposed accomplice broke into the morgue and set them free. No, your parents woke up and killed the cops that were supposed to be guarding them second question. How come the scissors that you stabbed the killer with had blood from both your mother and father on it? I'll answer that for you. It was because the evil bastard didn't have blood of his own and had just killed them both. He had your parents' blood in him at the time he was stabbed, thus getting that blood on the scissors. After that, how did he survive being pushed down the steps? You said in your interview that you heard bones break but he still got up. How do you know all this? Jason, my boy, I make it my business to know as much as I can about them, as well as everybody they've affected. I have books filled with information back home. When not the cops have gotten it? You're in prison, after all. They didn't find it, Matt said. If they had, I'd be in the loony bin. No, I'm here because of a mistake. I'll get to that later. Right now, I've got to get you to believe in what I'm saying. That's the only way you live through this. Live through what? I'll get to that later as well. I have so much more I have to tell you. Jason was becoming irritated with the man. He did have some good points about some of the things that he hadn't been able to explain about how the evidence had all pointed towards him. He'd wondered about the blood on the scissors and why the bodies had been taken. There hadn't been a logical explanation for any of it, but he doubted that Matt's reasoning was any closer to the truth than what he'd already guessed. The truth was that he didn't know what to believe. He never had. He'd always guessed as to what the real reasons were for what happened that night. But hadn't he always thought that the killer resembled a monster? He'd often thought throughout the years that the man could have very well been a monster. Was it really that much of a stretch to believe that he would have been a vampire? Are my parents vampires? Jason asked, remembering that he thought he'd seen his father running through the yard. Matt looked at him with eyes that said, you don't really want to know the answer to that, do you? What he said was, probably. If you think you saw your father, then you probably did. I've seen a lot of murder victims return as vampires over the years. So what happens? A vampire sucks their blood and turns them into vampires? He was shocked to find that he was going along with this. He was buying into Matt's story, no matter how ridiculous and improbable it seemed. The fact was that there was no other stories that fit as well as Matt's. He'd searched for answers for years, creating all sorts of possible scenarios with nothing that seemed plausible. This made sense, even if he didn't believe in the existence of vampires. At least, that was not until ten minutes ago. Matt looked up at the clock mounted on the wall. I don't have much time, he said. He told me that I had fifteen minutes. I have less than two minutes to go. We'll have to get together later, at yard time. Just answer my question first. Matt looked as if he wasn't going to answer. He kept looking at the clock on the wall, as if it was going to screen times up. Then his expression softened. He looked at Jason, speaking quickly, yet clearly. They don't need to drink the blood, although they do. The transformation to vampire is like a virus. Think of it like a fast-acting cancer. It attacks your blood, transforming human cells into vampire cells. It spreads throughout the brain first, and then moves on to the rest of the body. Once it has reformatted enough of the body, the heart starts beating once again. Of course, with no oxygen, the brain is shot. That I will talk to you about later. Rest up. "'I'll see you then.' "'He didn't give Jason the chance to slow him down again. "'He stood and ran out the door in less than three steps, "'disappearing from sight. "'Jason laid there, "'no longer feeling as if he were ready to fall asleep. "'He was wide awake and clear-headed. "'Anything that the concussion had taken away from him "'was gone now that his mind was processing "'all of the new information that Matt had given him. "'The only problem was that he had more questions "'now than he had before.' For the first time in 16 years, he couldn't wait for yard time. So there you are, not one, not two, but three chapters of incarceration. Things are getting pretty hairy in prison for Jason. Make sure you listen next week and find out what's going to happen next. So, time for the shameless self-promotion. This is the part where I pimp my stuff and just and try to get a little bit more participation. So, Twitter. Twitter.com slash GoingPostalPub. Facebook.com slash GoingPostalPublishing. Email me at GoingPostalPublishing at gmail.com. You can give me your questions, your comments, your cheap shots. Amazon. Click on the banner at GoingPostalPublishing.com. Click on the banner and go just buy whatever you were going to buy at Amazon. doesn't cost you anything extra, but a few pennies out of every dollar goes towards supporting the podcast and helping us out helping me eventually save up for a new laptop and feed my starving 52 children okay i don't have 52 children but sometimes it feels like it i have four and they're all wonderful even though they eat as if they were 52 children so that's going to wrap up this episode be sure to come back next week when we'll have some more chapters of incarceration take care now bye bye then Listening to the Going Postal Cast. For updates about Christopher Chapman, his stories, and future podcast happenings, be sure to go to goingpostalpublishing.com. If you want to follow along on Twitter, slash goingpostalpub, or like him at slash goingpostalpublishing. This podcast is copyright 2012 Going Postal Publishing.